Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is the Hip Hop Saved My Life podcast. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Now sit back because it's time for the podcast. Welcome to Hip Hop Saved My Life. Uh, we are joined by, I mean, it doesn't get bigger than this. Rupert and I are very excited. We're excited, but also slightly nervous that we're going to make dicks of ourselves. We are joined by the legend that is Chuck D. Hello, Chuck. How you doing? I'm good, man. I, I, I've made up. Um, it's good to talk to you guys again. But I, 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 yeah. in, a, in the process, um, I have a, a Zoom style that, that if I look away from the camera, that means I'm drawing, painting, sketching, and doing something like that. Okay. Nice. I've turned every, every bit of my time into purposeful art, lab studio slash you know make every single minute and second count in your life yeah i've started to uh i got into i don't know if you i mean it sounds like you're doing actual art whereas i've started doing coloring in adult <laughs> coloring in has been my new thing during this lockdown oh yeah that sort of for a medit- meditative thing you know what i mean yeah um that has been one of the things that they say it is great therapy you know for um people who are non-artists to go in and color and it's helped them out a whole lot. Me, I am a artist. So I got everything from, you know, it's this, album covers, uh, you know, I mean, designs, sketches, you know, and and um, and also uh, I have art aliases that, uh, that are dealing with another world that, that just is probably too lewd to be presenting with myself. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to someplace pornographic there for some reason. No, 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 listen, listen, not pornographic. Pornographic is a <laughs> is a modern day term that people were stuck on images and photos. This, these are, this is art. It's art expression. Okay. You know, cool. uh, yeah. uh, do you go around covering up statues when you go to Paris? No. No. <laughs> no. If, if they're showing willies and boobs, yeah. I do, yeah. You know, I, I, I was I, I was an art student, man, in the 70s, man. I was a college student Amazing. in the 70s, so we had to um, we, we had to endure sessions of three hours, three and a half hours, you know, with a nude model and just trying to figure out, like, you know, at 17 and 18 and 19, like, you know, why am I stuck here <laughs> for three and a half hours and all? And, and with a brush and a sketch and sculpting and painting and but you know but but we all had to be pros you know you had to um, design clothes you know the reason that you start seeing stick models wearing clothes because it wasn't about the body it was about the clothes that you had to design to take the mind off that's why you see like skinny models uh, kind of modeling clothes because it hangs on them. But really, they're about trying to sell the clothes and they're trying to sell the model. But then the model also becomes a theme of beauty and, and her thinness. And that's how, that you know, I think Twiggy was the 
was the first UK person that kind of went into that realm and accepted as the new model of beauty in the 60s and all that. But now we're now we're in the middle of Meg Thee Stallion and Cardi B being a model, so it's somewhere else, man. But I no, I, I do art, uh, buildings, and all kinds of stuff, people, places, and things. So you're gonna you're gonna sketch us throughout this podcast, and we'll see the end, the result at the end. Is that right? No, that will distract me. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and it'd be that's way too loose. <laughs> <laughs> so Chuck, um, listen, I, I, I do uh I do have to tell you this, man. Like you I, I want to thank you first of all before we, you know, uh carry on, because you are the reason, and I think I speak for both Rupert and myself, yeah. you are the reason that we got into hip hop. And hip hop has been such a massive part of my life and our lives. And, you know, you're the reason that that happened. So, you know, I guess sort of starting off, thank you very much for that. But in regards to that, I imagine that you get told that a lot. And does that, is that something that you wear lightly or is it something that you sort of have become kind of used to hearing from people? Because you are the reason that a lot of people came into this thing in the first place, right? Well, I took that on as a responsibility when I when I told Rick Rubin back in the day that uh, I should do this, I could do this after he asked me for about almost two year period. So, I mean, I come from an arts background, so it's about really seriously nailing it, being accountable to it, and um, making sure that you know you leave it a better place than how you found it. You know, and that means in this interpretation of what it is and how people can also come after you and even better it. Um, art is subjective. So, you know, people have their tastes, especially through generations. But usually all these tastes are, are quiet on how much that they're focused and learn from it or have a great time with it. And if they have a great time with it, it's best to, to know what it is versus what it ain't. Mm-hmm. You know, everything, education helps out a lot. So it helps you even enjoy something that you might inherently enjoy even more. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, okay, I know where that's coming from. I dig it. Matter of fact, not only do I dig it, I kind of want to engage myself to do it. So that was an early goal of Public Enemy, finding the 5,000 leaders. But within the 5,000 leaders, people who could lead the narrative of really digging what they like and and kind of like enhancing upon that to be engaging and, and showing that, that that people could do some things with their life that, that enhances people's other lives. So, you know, the art the arts enhances people's everyday living because seriously, it's 24 hours in a day on this planet, seven days in a week. Um, you could get consumed really quick by not having a plan and not having a focus, which leads to boredom which might lead to massive consumption, which might lead to like, I don't even know what I'm doing right now, especially when the pandemic came along. You had to, you had to develop a plan in the pandemic. So enough of that. Did you, I mean, that was, that was a big problem for people, wasn't it? Like you talking about that, you know, talking specifically about the pandemic is that people's jobs or pe- people's functions got taken away, what they're normally doing. And so that led to a lot of people kind of... Uh, not knowing who they were in in a way. Do you know what I mean, that's why we've had so many like mental issues coming off the back of that, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people who are, are accustomed to being citizens. And a citizen, you grow up as being a citizen, 
And then you you have these boxes that you focus on and then live within that box frame for the rest of your life. I train myself to do this, to be in that particular box, whether I liked it or not. I knew I had to be on the box and this box car is going to ride me to success. But I know my skill set. I think I know my skill set. I'm going to ride it. Okay. The pandemic wiped it off. And we've seen for the first time the convergence of citizens into netizens. And that was, uh, uh, you know, I mean, all of a sudden, most of your time is is in the netizen world. Most of your time is with technology and gadgets being your way that you're communicating and contacting people, you know. Um, now it was a thing where people might be inside the world of the cyber understanding, but there's no such thing as net etiquette. Yeah, people are not net literate and they were just thrust into this world trying to figure out what it takes to be a netizen. So that all happened the last year and it caught everybody off guard. Like, who am I in this world, in this space? And now we're looking at these spaces as being equal because even when it all thaws out, you get to go out and touch somebody or meet somebody or hug somebody, you know, it's going to be like uh, switches on, switches off. Uh, okay, I got to be this way as a citizen. Okay, I got to be different. I got to engage myself with somebody differently here. It's like now both worlds are now uh, have to be understood. Um, and that's how it is. It's, art, commerce, sports, everything is, is is also existing in this cyber universe that got introduced a while ago and now it's riding with everybody's gadget attached to their hip and head. So yeah, that adjustment caught everybody by surprise. Everybody by surprise. In the art world, we already deal in our cubicles to create and and be a furnace and 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 entertain ourselves and fill our time uh, with things that that really don't need anybody to. Oh yeah, that's great. That's dope. It's like you, know, you don't have to say that. I'm doing it for me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I but I wouldn't go out there and tell a lot of people that 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 the last year benefited me. I just don't say it, but I say as an artist, there was a lot of benefits. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you're talking about the us living as netizens and stuff, and, and that's kind of ties in with the title of your your latest album, What You're Gonna Do When The Grid Goes Down. Oh shit, no more grid. We all addicted, men, women, and kids. No internet, no text, and no tweets. We look like the 80s with things in the streets. All oh, snap, no apps, just maybe perhaps. No at? grid is what we need for new human contact. Not even your own server can save you. We all caught up in the web, it's so true. No GPS. Are you are you looking at it from a point of view that there are positives to this kind of online thing, this whole internet-based thing, or you know, what's your take on it? Are you sort of seeing it as a bit of a mixed bag? A mixed bag, you know. Uh, my friend Prince Rogers Nelson said years ago, be on top of technology or it will be on top of and master you. You can't ma- you can't master these gadgets. The best you could do is manage them. And now if your life is inside these gadgets, you got to figure the best way to manage your life. You know, nobody masters life anyway. You can do your best to manage these things around you in the swirl. So it's a mixed bag. You know, when I was a shorty growing up, I mean, we anticipated this world. We wanted a lot of these things 
to happen. If I'm able to create something, but I got to send it through some express system that get there three days later for somebody to approve it, you know, I, man, can't we just go and press a button and get there? Well, we're at those points. But I understood that all this technology had come along the time where I've already have my understanding as a tradesman, a professional, uh, a grown adult. I've been grown since the 70s. So I'm like, this is a joy. The hardest thing to come out of this is somebody who might have been five, 15 years ago, who's now 20. The hardest thing is like, how do you make this thing turn from a toy into a tool most of your life? If they're five or six or seven years old and they got their phone, it's of course it's a toy. They're six or seven. Now it has to become a tool. And this is some, some of the convergence that has been very difficult for a lot of people. Like, when do I wean off of it? When do I get into it? How do I use it here? How do I have fun with it? I mean, the, the gadget, they got their life thrown in there, but they don't have everything compartmentalized. So, and, and, and that type of... Uh, that time of that type of want and need got to be educated too. So this company's that's growing up that to figure out how they go into that world, teach a person how to use it more as a a, a tool than a toy, and even if they get depressed through their machine, they could come up with some, enough <laughs> cyber therapy to get a person out of that depression and all that. So you got businesses that are forming, and you got things that are getting wiped out. You know. You got you, a lot of places got wiped out, but it, like in anything, it's an adjustment period. So um, the arts, you know, as one area gets wiped out, the other area sprouts. Entertainment, yeah, it's wiped out. Now it's over here, and we're in that middle period. So yeah, giveth and taketh away, like it always has. You just don't want the human spirit to get lost in the, in the transition. Have you thought about how Public Enemy and yourself as an individual, have you thought about how you present yourselves on, on social media and, 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 and the internet and stuff like that? Because, you know, when Public Enemy first came out, obviously, visually, you guys felt like it felt like such a step ahead. You had, you know, obviously you got the you got the imagery of the logo and everything. Was, you had the S1Ws, the live shows are mad. It was a very strong sort of image. And then obviously, as time's moved on, the way that bands and, and artists present themselves has changed. Have you consciously thought about that? Or or do you just carry on doing what you're doing and, and hope people come and find you in whichever medium you're doing it? Well, you're always conscious thinking about things anyway. Um... Public Enemy knew that we had to present our imagery anyway, but we we tend to also rely on people's imaginations. And now imaginations are sold to you, given to you. People are going less to the register of their own minds. And for example, why sit there and try to guess at something that might be inside your brain when you could go to your gadget and, <laughs> oh, that's how it went. So the dependency is real. Uh, Public Enemy was one of the first artists to put their albums on MP3 technology in 1999. We had always been ahead of the, the curve and the curb. And so um, you don't gloat in it. We we tried to do these things in order to give hip hop a bigger 
vehicle to ride, not just the groups like Public Enemy, but artists that want to come in, even from the UK, and get their small little real estate of, of recognizability in there. So, um, yeah, we always made sure that we, we, if we could lay the groundwork, make the ground solid, other artists could come in and do their thing on the ground that we laid. So um, in this world, it's no different. And um, if we made our adjustments musically, um, there's been some um, some virtual understandings and performances, but our thing has always been show the path for others to follow. That's it. So you're going to see others definitely following paths, and a lot of them are going to do very well. We, you know, the, our thing is to make the road and and not to be oh man we missed that boat we were gone as long as somebody makes it fine that's fine with us and it's it's been fruitful i have a a record label called the spit slam record group we do a great job playing record company (laughs) (laughs) and i have rap station with 10 station channels and we do the utmost in curation and we do a great job playing a record a, a radio internetwork and we're instituting an app uh, on the visual side because it breaks down like this real quick it's like social media is like renting an apartment don't store your goodies in your apartment in case the building goes up now yeah you, now you want to get your dot com or your dot net or your dot org that's like having real estate that's like having property with some land you don't really own the earth <laughs> you just <laughs> own that house that you might have built on it so, but you have ownership and, you, and and having an app is like having a condo, a condominium, but your social media ain't nothing but an apartment. So if you storing and stocking everything on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, when that go on fire, your stuff is going on fire too. So, so plant what uh, the definition of your cyber real estate. Put your goods in your dot com dot net. You know it's it's easy. You know get your real estate on it on the world wide web, and that will hold off to protect you a little bit better than just saying, okay, I'm I'm going. You always be on social media. It's easy to sign up for that. Harder to maintain your real estate. You talked a lot about um, bringing up new artists and setting the way for new artists. And and Public Enemy have always been very much about kind of obviously tackling issues and 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 speaking from the heart about things that are going on and not all not all hip-hop is like that obviously do you see all of that as i mean do you feel that that rap artists have got a duty to do that or do you see you talk about whatever you want to talk about and that might be change and that might not be that might just be about lifestyles and more material things or whatever whatever like what's your kind of take on all of that um i think as an art you have a right to say and do whatever you feel when you get in front of an audience, you have a also, you have an obligation and responsibility to give 150%. So that's where the two are different. When I made my songs, I write my songs the way I see fit, right? I don't take anybody else's judgment and the consideration of what, you know, what my art is in my song. However, when I get in front of an audience and those that actually might have nodded their heads to accepting that song as something that they would like, I have a 200% obligation to smash the crowd. So that's the difference. Well, 
you know, a lot of times people might feel that the industry might, you know, tell them to write a particular song or money tells them to write a, a particular song. That's just a different whole rule. I have to, I had to study guys like from the rock era, from the R&B era to come in and say, well, shit, I, I'm, I'm doing a, a micro niche type of thing anyway. So let us control our niche and create our own little, you know, our own little uh, scenario inside the realm of what all music is and try to do that the best we can. We're already dealing with, with rap music, which is the bottom barrel bastard child of all musics as far as administrations and infrastructures are concerned. You might hear like, oh, it's the biggest music today. Yeah, I bet you there's a lawyer that has parasited their way to whatever that is to put a definition <laughs> and a price tag on that. But but truly, we don't have the infrastructure and the administration that let's say classic rock has because mm. they have a whole the infrastructure is, is tight, it's deep. It's it might not you know guys you know like Hanson or Judas, Judas Priest or Iron Maiden. Those guys, man, like ACDC, those. Those guys have structures around them that are embedded in the many places and solidified. Hip hop, you know, people <laughs> judge by they judge by whatever flavor of the second, you know, it used to be flavor of the week or flavor of the month and all that. And there's not a lot of pressure on what that artist does because, you know, if you got a, a demographic of under 25 years old, those people 25 and under are happy just to be out. Mm. <laughs> you don't have to you don't have to thrill them that much it's like they they already got their thing they got their friends they got their tastes and they're just a, they're just thrilled to be adults for the first time and they're really thrilled about seeing each other after a pandemic so you, you're gonna see all kinds of things come up out of that 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 we won't be able to give a quick definition to but it's not really infrastructure it's it's going off the brilliance of ready hot now do you not think though in like sort of 20 30 years time even like because it's still relatively young compared to rock or whatever that, that infrastructure will will settle in or it'll always be be that way do you think yeah before the asteroid <laughs> <laughs> Could have something to work towards yeah. we hope that a scientist like figures something to divert you know these space rocks do you, but do you think do you think like um if an art if somebody Let's talk, you know, if you talk about rappers in particular, but if somebody knows that making a certain type of song is going to get them out of their, the current economic situation they find themselves in, mm -hmm. you, you can sort of absolve them of the responsibility of, you know, like if people decide to go, well, I'm going to compromise my art for my economics. I know that that's not ideal, but you, you can't blame somebody for doing that. No, you know, no, I mean, you can't blame them for that. I mean... You know, just like it, you, you give them a, a, a lottery winner greeting. <laughs> you won the lottery. <laughs> yeah, everybody here win the lottery, you know. I mean, you want artists to say and do what they feel. You know, a lot of times in the big boardrooms, it's like the, Quincy Jones said it best. It says, music is fantastic, but when money comes in, God walks out the room. <laughs> yeah. Your latest album, your new album is uh, you're back on Def Jam, right? So uh, how did all that come about? 
Oh, uh, we have a lot of material still at, at Def Jam and and David uh, Jeff Halston is David Halston's brother, and he was a lawyer out at the time. So we have our own independent situations, and it happened to be that twenty uh, twenty happened, and they wanted to do something with Fight the Power to be a statement of the year, and so we had some things. Def Jam had some ideas. And at the end of the day, it was like, okay, this 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 record might as well be with you guys, and they thought it was a great idea. And so I don't know if it's a, it's a if it's a one stop or two step stop or whatever. But uh, Flavor thought it was cool. It was a good way for my myself and Flavor to um, have a legal understanding of of where we're going to do for the next couple of albums or whatever we decide if we decide to make it. Flavor wanted to go major. I always like doing independent, so. This was a perfect place for that to, to rendezvous and be at. The responsibility for Def Jam's fantastic team means that one guy is going to do 126 interviews in 70 days. So, but by Def Jam and Universal's wonderful team that 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 you guys have also corresponded with as well. Um, that's the duty that goes across and and it goes into a, a immediacy. It uh, goes into a very segmented specialized area of time that you have to nail and um it's grueling the most i thought it was a a, a wonderful acquaintance and reacquaintance with a lot of people i hadn't talked to for years although i do press every year uh for releases of public enemy since the year 1999 but in universal def jam the, the road has really been developed since we left. And you can plug it into a lot of different areas, which means my interviews went tenfold. And they already was more than anybody else because of things I, that I like to talk about, music that we like to play. And then um, just a little help from our friends. It's like just that we had records with Ice-T and Paris Smith from EPMD. We already had, uh, you know, put together for my 60th um birthday uh, just being able to do a song with the guys that dragged me into it run and dmc and and mike d and ad rock you know rest in beats you know mca and jam Master j is those guys dragging me into that situation now here's a little story we got to tell about a sound so deaf you know so well it started way back in history with the pc boys ll cool j run dmc and public enemy was a label with two turntables and a mic MCs do what you like 83 beats in the place to be 84 rhyming to open doors death to the jam and the who I am stand to the jump and the crack the floors I got a posse of a force to back me up watch out we got rhythm to match ambush attack on my team double team you daddy O from Stetson Sonic on Yesterday Man and um and on the, the song what you gonna do when the grid goes down grid uh with our uncle George Clinton and also my my good brother Padre, you know, be real on the mic and Cypress Hill with Sin Dog and myself and Flavor and be real and Sin, it was just a wonderful family reunion type of thing and it wasn't meant to be this album that had to have all these guest appearances it just ended up that way and at the end of the day the roll calls like wow okay it's just it was. It was good. It was good that it was good that it happened organically. 
and um, and to be touching all these places in the world. And if it was a regular year, it probably would have been a harder harder job to work because uh, yeah, Universal and plus what Public Enemy already have been dealing with around the world independently. You're talking about like not seeing a home base for three years working a record. And it's allowed us to work within a year and work it slowly across the next five years and have fun with it with with no um, no guarantee of showing up anywhere unless somebody comes out and want to give Chuck the Flavor Flav a Mick Jagger and Keith Richards type of reception. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said. Flavor, flavor. This is a. This comes from Flavor's mouth. He's like, "Yo, Chuck, me and you come together, man. Republic enemy, we come together. They better roll out the red, blue, red, black, and green carpet." I'm like, "Okay, me, all right, okay, I can roll with you, Flavor, on that." He said, "We better get the same treatment as Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. We the Rolling Stones of the rap game." I said, "Okay." He didn't get no <laughs> argument from me. I'm like, I, I'm not going to talk you out of that, bro. The year is 2020, the number. Another summer get down. Sound of the funky drummer. Music hitting the hard cause. I know you got soul. The information age got him seeing what's really wrong with these racist days. I honor the strong and pity the weak. Your thoughts run your life. Be careful what you think. Haiti beat France in century 17. Salute Tucson and Dessaline. And I do love France. Know what I mean? It's a system I'm talking. Nobody's agreeing. They say it's suicide. Did you expect Fight the Power? Because that Fight the Power with, you know, the, the new version of it with all the guests and stuff, it went massive, right? I mean, like everybody, yeah. it felt like a big, it felt like a moment. I mean, did you have any idea it was going to blow up like that? It was crazy, man. Um, they, 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 they tell me it's the most important rap record of all time. And uh, I don't want to not agree with people, but when you look around and try to find something and there's the message and some other songs, you know, uh, when Questlove said he, he, he was going to do it and whatever Questlove puts his hand on, who, who am I to stop him? Um, you didn't wish for a year like 2020 to be that type of year that it would call for a record like that to realign people at the moment that we was at. But we was at a crazy moment. You guys talk about Boris Johnson. We have 45 that was corrupted in the pool everywhere. And it was like, no, I mean, the, you know, not to say things are like, oh, all better overnight, but they're better overnight to begin to say, okay, now, now we got work to do. Because last year, with that due and the pandemic, it was it, it was a Rocky Horror Picture Show, man. It was like the, the haunted house ride, man. <laughs> and um, uh, the the fact Public Enemy made a record, uh, myself, you know, of course, with the blessing of DJ Premier and Flavor, and, and made State of the Union. It's a banger. Whatever it takes, rid this dictator. POTUS my tail, ask the beta. Prime time, primo, rhyme time, crime. Like no other in this lifetime. White House killer, dead in lifelines. Broke this joke out, or die trying. Unprecedented, demented, many presidented. Nazi Gestapo, dictator, defendant. It's not what you think, it's what you follow. Run for them jewels, drink from that bottle. Another four years, gonna gut your hollow. Gun it out, dried up, broke. It was one of those things that that 
first jab and then the fight to power as the second jab um, with the help of all of our people and friends and from uh, Rhapsody to YG and Jahi, who's with the Spit Slam record label and Nas, Black Thought. I mean, come on, man. It's like, so I tell people that's great. That's the third fight to power. Because the first fight to power by the Isleys, and that's the thing that made me want to carry that sentiment to 1989. And a lot of times when people say that wow, you know, 1989, you look at it as being like, sort of like sad that things haven't changed much. And I'm like, things have changed. Things always change. The biggest difference between 2020 and 2021 and 1989 is that you have people who were born and people who had died since then. So you can't say, oh, didn't we do this before? You have a lot of people who had no no damn idea what 1989 was. Because a lot of people that was in the middle of the mix, orchestrating, they're no longer here. It's transition. And you have people who were born after that time who were in the middle of the mix, orchestrating right now and here. So we just lost a, a key member, you know, who passed away yesterday. So... Um, one of the Bomb Squad protégés, the young guys that came up underneath the Bomb Squad, uh, Shamelo, uh, Shamelo Durant, who comes from our, our neck of the woods, comes up under the Bomb Squad tutelage, produced a great record for Buster Rhyme called Put Your Hands Where Your Eyes Can't See, and uh, we lost him two days ago. So, I mean, time moves on, and it takes uh, it takes its toll and casualties along the way. Get you with no delays of what you saying, yo. Uh, Silly with my nine milli with the dilly, yo. What? When I be on the mic, yes, I do my duty, yo. While up in the club, like we while in the studio. Uh, you don't wanna violate, nigga, really and truly, yo. My uh, main thug, nigga, named Julio. He moody, yo. What? Type of nigga that'll slap you with the Tulio. Uh, Bitch, nigga, scared to death, act studio. <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Did you know when you were making, I mean, you've made a number of genre-defining records, but did you know when you were making Fight the Power that, no, can you feel it in the studio, or do you? Is it unpredictable what's going to go off and what isn't? Uh, we, we, Hank Shockley, Eric Sadler, myself, 
keep soccer. We we wrestled with Fight the Power to line it up right to get it to line up with that movie. We were confident that we would find that right thing for it. When we first started out, it was not the thing that we wanted. So we kept wrestling and tussling with it. Um, Spike's initial idea, Hank rejected. <laughs> Said, no, we can come up with something better. I think I went on tour. I wrote the lyrics while being on tour with Run DMC in, in 1988 on the Run's House tour. We, I think we was in flight from the UK to Italy. That's why I came up with, with a good chunk of my rhymes on airplane time. But uh, when we got back, we kept forming it and forming it. And uh, we knew what we wanted and we knew how to get get to it. It just didn't happen in the in the speed that we wanted it to happen. But we nailed it in the time frame because we, you know, it's kind of easy sometimes when somebody tells you, I specifically want this feeling to happen. So you just keep going around and tinkering at the feeling until you, yeah, that's going to fit. And that fitting is going to be from the guy who's going to be A, the music su- su- music supervisor, or even more importantly, <laughs> the, the, the the director, producer, the maker of the movie that says, aha, that's what I want. So you wrestle with it and you form it in and shaping it. So another song for another film that caught us all by surprise, the placement and everything. And that was uh, Bring the Noise for Less Than Zero soundtrack. We, we were totally surprised by that. We were just making it. And the fact that it became something else was a total surprise to me. How low can you go? Death row. What a brother know once again back is the incredible rhyme animal, the uncannable public enemy number one. Five folks said freeze, and I got numb. Can I tell them that I really never had a gun? But it's the wax that the Terminator X bun. Now they got me in the cell because my records. We wanted to seriously, you know, do do one of those knockout um, Eubanks type of blows. Bow, you know. <laughs> and uh big ups to you so uh, yeah that type of blow you know and uh that's what that's what that was planned so every song has its own different uh path to make you end up doing what you do but uh that's three different instances right there bring the noise was totally like it's like what <laughs> and when we was making it it was a wrestling job with an alligator man where you got half your arm chopped off while wrestling it, but it ended up being okay. We found a good prosthetic. <laughs> we, we did you ever did you ever uh, did you ever get worried about what you're saying and like you know like because for example you fight the power, but you know you've done it a, 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 the whole way through your career where you said things. You know, for example, the Elvis lyric in 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 fight the power that there are people that would get nervous about putting that out was there any part of you that was sort of thinking this is going to be this is going to go this is going to kick off when this comes out or were you think well this is how i feel this is what i'm going to say so and so be it whatever the consequences that are well i mean come on guys it's a difference between a 30 year old me and a 60 year old me <laughs> <laughs> sometimes the 30 year old you sometimes takes a piss at on a tree outside right <laughs> not no damn 60 year old man so no i mean i always wrote with consideration of what i was writing. i knew what i was what i was right when i said to elvis and john wayne that, that part came because I, I there was a song that was very influential to me that had something that was a parody and just as ironic and iconic 
when Blowfly said this rhyme about a Ku Klux Klan guy talking about Mother F you and Muhammad Ali. And this was in Blowfly Rap in 1980. You could look it up. I said, are you sure you want to fuck with me? I'm a distant cousin to Muhammad Ali. Suddenly his big prick began to shrink. He said, come on, boy, let's have a drink. Those rednecks in the corner start getting up out of their seats, carrying big clubs, wearing white sheets. He said, listen, nigga man, I'm the grand dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. He said, there's no nigga better than me. Motherfuck you and Muhammad Ali. I threw my drink in his face and I started to run. So that stuck in my mind so much. So when it came down to writing Fight the Power in the third verse, you searching for things in the third verse. Um, I just used Elvis Presley and John Wayne. We were, you know, the Elvis Presley was simple. It was like, we got loaded with so much that this guy is the king. When nobody gave him a crown but white America, and this, you you know, we were forced. Elvis was forced down our throats. So I know the guy started out as a as a guy who was humble, quiet, you know, um, quiet, different type of white kid from Tupelo, Mississippi, moving to Memphis. But this is like before the drugs. Later on, as a teenager, I'm looking at Elvis as, you know, the the obese drug addict, you know, that that that's with Richard Nixon and, and talking about the NRA and guns. So I'm looking at Elvis differently than I'm not looking at the 1956 Elvis. So I had less sympathy for, for him, but I had no sympathy at all for John Wayne. And so I threw them in the third verse. It was with thought and consideration of what I'm talking about. I knew what I was talking about. Yeah. Um, as a 60-year-old, 50-year-old writer and stuff like that, of course, you, you know, words are powerful. I know I could say something to get clickbait, or what they call it, clickbait and, and eyeballs. Yeah. and But then you got to say, I, yeah, I said that. But, that, you know, come on, man. 60-year-olds should know better. <laughs> really, seriously. You should know better. Yeah, come on, man. Come with that. Stop that, fools. You know what I'm saying? So you, you, you become, like, laser-focused. And 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 you hit it so hard on it that that you don't have time to be like wrong about your comment. You gotta be laser sharp, and also don't try to be in young people's lane. That's one thing you, you know. I don't I don't believe that older people are leaders of younger people. I think younger people develop their leadership. Older people are there for advice and counseling and direction. You know, young, I should say young energy. Young energy needs that. And it's all relative. I think young energy for the United States is Kamala Harris to be president. So she's 50-something years old. That's young in that in that category. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think young musicians, uh, you know, the 40s and 50s, their energies are different on what they could present. You know, when you're 60 and people come to see you to show, they don't have time for bullshit. You know what I'm saying? They don't have time. It's like, <laughs> yo, do the joint. I, I want to see if you can still do this song. I want to I wanna be entertained. I spent my money. I don't want to fall asleep there. And I want to be like, <laughs> it was as good as I saw when I was 21. That that's And that's that's the goal. That, that, that This is why there's artists in the rock world, they got to live up to that. And in the rap world, we could take better note of how important it is to give your all, how you got to work out, how you got to make sure that, you know, on the stage, you could be one or two places. You can look very old or very experienced. 
but you got to work to, to stay experienced, you know? And I just think that, that if you were swinging, <laughs> swinging a bottle on stage at 25 and you're 60 swinging a bottle, number one, you're not even going to make it right. And you know, it's like, it's a difference between being drunk and a drunk. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> when, you're, when you're 25, you're drunk. When you're 60, you're a drunk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a there's a strong argument that you've got a young energy about you because I I've come to see you so many times live. Every time you come over to the UK, most recently on the Gods of Rapt uh, show at Wembley. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. With Dayla and Wu Tang, um, you still seem as hungry as you ever have been. Is that true? I mean, like you, you're constantly making music, you're constantly doing bits, but you're constantly active on social media and in interviews and things like that. Is that does that come from? what you're talking about an artistic need just to stay occupied or is that because you feel like you haven't done everything you set out to do when you started doing this? I mean, where's that coming from? Um, it comes from compartmentalizing my life down to things I can do and leaving things I don't know what to do and what to say, leaving them shits alone. Mm. <laughs> it's like I stay in my lane. I got goals within my lane. Um, if you see me on stage, um, you damn right. I got to do that. We have a model. Either you do the songs or the songs do you. Public Enemy ain't got like Snoop Dogg sing-along songs that's in the pocket like that. They they require they require a, a, a working out effort <laughs> or you could get or you could get hurt. <laughs> so if you're going to take those songs on, you got to be right. Um, as far as occupying my time and doing things, um, I, I the next 20 years, if I if I have those years in my final quarter of my life, because anything, I, I, we break it down in the quarters like we do in American sports. Mm. You know, zero to 20, you get to 40, that's halftime. Third quarter, I finished my third quarter, 40 to, to 60. Now I'm in the final quarter. Anything after 80 is what they call overtime. And in American, <laughs> American football is called sudden death. <laughs> so... so you know, the gods bless bless me to twenty years. I like to do more things in my art career, artwork, um, and and of course in my curation of the art form of many artists. I'd already been doing it like solid fifteen to twenty years with Rap Station. Uh, we curate more rap artists in the world than anybody. Uh, Planet Earth, Planet Rap, really seriously accentuates a station channel. Uh, who's curated by Amgelwa Beginney from South Africa and then also Miko Kapanen, who's from Helsinki. And together they 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 expose hip-hop artists from everywhere on earth, 116 countries. So working with people like that, to have that person come up and know that they got a place that can, can help further boost their career, those things I, I want to be doing for the next 20 years, work on my art career, do songs when I... when when I would like and feel or call to do so, do collaborations. Um, so Rap Station, the Spit Slam record label group, and um, and of course, Public Enemies in, in that, as well as the art career, um, uh, illustrations, books, uh, um, those things. Yeah, and 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 they're not, not, nothing's out of out of out of the orbit, you know. Illustrated books and books are all within that same orbit of what I'm already doing. So working on those things uh, or those things that's already a plan, not to 
all of a sudden, like I want, I'm going to end up, you know, working and owning a sports team or something. <laughs> nah, I'm not trying to do things. I said enough on my plate and table to not mess around with something I'm not good at. I'm not going to do that. You know, obviously talking about curating and supporting new artists and stuff like that. How do you feel about where hip hop's at now? I mean, are you excited about how huge it is? How how much of an influence has on the culture? Or are you, you know, I mean, you sort of intimated that you're frustrated about the infrastructure of it. I mean, what's your sort of take on where it's at now? Well, banks still don't don't play, you know, pay it much mind. If you wanted to build some structure and you went to a bank for a loan to build some structure within hip hop, like buildings and stuff like that, they're slow to give you a loan on it. So you don't have an infrastructure on that. And it usually has to come from some other area, some other benefactor, you know, to help infuse it with funds to make it do things that it should be doing. It's always kind of like parasiting things that already seem to work. Um, so uh, I would like to see it stand on its own two feet a lot more it's for us to really say it's its its own, it's its own industry. I think too, it, it, if anything, hip hop has been treated like Africa. You know, everybody goes to Africa to take and never replenish it. That's how, that's how hip hop has been treated over the last 40 years. Land on it. And if you want to continue to do things, you gotta you gotta get off of that grab from that gravity, go into movies, yeah. go into technologies, you know, go not you know not just stay in the you know world of hip hop and and grow. I think Jay Z has been a person who has landed on hip hop and and actually all the fruits within that that orbit of from hip hop. But then he's parlayed it into a bunch of things the last 10 to 15 years with the right infrastructure coming from outside to be around him. So now he's on the outside and coming on the inside. I think it was a great thing when he put up title, you know, but that was to help all musics. So, um, you know, things change with, with, with individuals doing great things like uh, to the art form. I think politically, you know, like I said, it's it's like hip hop has changed so many people to actually direct and further and upgrade their language on change. That great hip hop has spurred you to create this change. Now, what's going back into hip hop? Can it actually be interwoven into schools curriculum as, as being a, a fantastic way to teach and, and to branch into things that will enlighten our lives? You know, we can't have folk be the only thing to get all the credit on enhancing people's lives like Bob Dylan and Peter Paul and Mary. And, you know, it's like hip hop artists are fantastic folk, too. And uh, I think we can make some of those parallels and exalt some of these efforts out there. So when you don't do that and people know that, all right, the only way I can get this money is to get is to go get gully and do something that, that my lower half only speaks loud at, then, you know, then you got everybody speak, everybody headed down that same portal. But hip hop has changed the world and it is the most familiar with the under 50 audience that's gonna be in that next 25 years. 
you know, before the asteroid, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Where, 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 you'll, where you'll need some scientists to divert that or stop that. It, it probably will happen because, you know, as they come up with some kind of plan to, to help save the world or give a desert water or whatever, it will come for somebody who who grew up with hip-hop and, and got them motivated. You need motivated, no motivation on, no matter what you do. And... um me, in my mind, how I get motivated, I listen to like, you know, The Temptations and stuff like that. James Brown, you know, Mavis Staples, because uh, when I grew up all the way up to 19 years old, there wasn't hip hop records. So my first 19 years, my motivation came off of what I heard in the houses, aunts and uncles. And then my second year in college, then the first hip hop record comes out. It's like, whoa, okay, wow. And, and I already would, knew I wanted to focus on going in the music business. And you know what? Uh, what area I was looking to go into the music business? Uh, you, do you know what area I knew I was going to go into the music business and do? Can you guys guess? Rock? No, the, I mean, area. I was going to... My goal was to set up the first um, art departments that handled hip-hop. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Hey, go figure. <laughs> I got signed to Def Jam in 86 and 89. Two guys, Say Adams and Stephen Carr, set up the first art, the first dedicated to hip-hop art departments underneath Def, Def Jam. So, and, 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 and those were my guys, so I worked with them. And they were able to achieve a dream that I had that got me through university at the turn of the 80s. Yeah, that got me through college because I said anything I know I could do that. So, yeah, and, and I got kicked out of college my freshman year, my first year. I was very talented. I just couldn't land my skill anywhere because I didn't know what to do. I was like, I don't want to like sit in a department store doing you know dresses and you know bowls and you know what I'm saying cut out ads. You know, come here on Thursday and, and, and we have a sale for. For goods and like, ah, I ain't do it. But then when I knew that hip hop records came out, I said, aha, a light bulb went off. Aha. Records means album covers, means jackets, means typesets, means <laughs> boom. And it, and it galvanized my whole, it, I got through, I zoomed through the rest of the university. Yeah, well, I mean, you could, you could definitely see that and how visual, you know, the, lo- the logo, the, the imagery of Public Enemy has always been amazing. How uh, across the UK scene are you? Like, have you seen? Well, well uh, I told you I do. I got plant. I told you I got planted Earth, planted rap. I told you I got rap. Listen, you guys got to talk about rapstation.com. Rapstation.com forward slash app. And you'll see the best undercurrent system of hip hop and rap music in the world. I have also contributors to uh, Rap Station 365 and also my And You Don't Stop radio show which is every week uh for 12 years 12 years and i have contributors like uh dj shorty of the chip shop he has a segment in his own show on rap station dj spin and 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 uh, crf from manchester dj pressure also from manchester uh these guys have been delivering their works for the last decade to me so we're always in tune you know and and understand this is that uh, the artists in the UK 
whether you talk about Kingdom or Caxton Press or you talk about Drill Axe and stuff like that, people like Amy True and people like that, you know, we, we're on top of, especially the UK. We give UK more burn in the United States and around the world than anybody. Mm. And there's people in the UK who had long ago said, you know what, we're going to do our style and we're going to take our combination of styles, little US here, Caribbean there, UK straight out, the Hackney style, Brixton style, you know, and they, you know, now you talk talk about the UK, uh, guys are 40 years deep and 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 contributors to hip hop and rap music. But why wouldn't it be? You got the same roots from Jamaica. Mm. Well, look, Chuck, we uh we uh we don't want to take too much of your time. You've been an amazing guest. Thank you so much. Uh, one thing, one last thing I wanted to ask you before uh we is that we saw you know, there's talk about Flavor and Public Enemy not being together anymore, you two not being together anymore. Uh, but obviously that's not the case. Was that just, did that just come out of nowhere? Was that bullshit or where did that come from? It was half bullshit. It's like, he pissed <laughs> me off. And and uh, I think, um, you know, like I said, we have our, our, our teams and lawyers and stuff like that. And, and uh, I think, um, like I said, he's been wanting to do things with a major. I've been wanting to do things independent, but. I'm doing 90% of this particular job. So I told him, I said, if your lawyer sends me one more cease and desist on a, on a move I do, I'm going to sit your ass out. <laughs> and I think I did last year, we did the Bernie Sanders rally and, and we did the fundraiser. Flavor doesn't do benefits. So we set up this compartment called Enemy Radio, which is the uh, DJ MC sound system component of PE, and we did it. But he thought it was like, oh man, public enemy's there. No, enemy radio, you just saw a lot of people. But what he did, he sent his lawyer to sit the cease and desist of the of the concert, of the benefit. And so then I said, okay, you're gonna send that out there, then I'm gonna sit you out. I'm gonna I'm gonna just tell everybody you you gone. So was it real? It was, because I was I was like, yo, you sitting out. We're gonna still do it without you. And um Talked to him the, the following week, and we talked about, okay, this is what this is. I'm glad that you're paying attention now. Let's make this public enemy <laughs> record, you know? And then, sure enough, we we got on the page and made the, you know, what you're going to do when the grid goes down. And that came after the enemy radio record in, in April of 2020, where uh, we did a song together called Food, Food as a Machine Gun, which talked about the weaponizing of food. So with the making of food as a machine gun on the enemy radio record, a lot of people were like, oh, wow, you know, you guys coming out with something? And we said, yeah, it's coming out in, uh, in the summer, a public enemy record. And people were like, huh? you know, but you could tell somebody these days and they'll forget, they'll forget the next hour. And this is one of the, <laughs> it's one of the, the aspects of these now times. It's only going to get worse. The span of time and memory are going to be like this. It's like you tell somebody like in one minute and 10 minutes later, they might forget because that's we had the dependency on gadgets to, to figure out what we did 10 minutes ago. You know, it wasn't noticeable five years ago, but two years from now, end of this year, our attention spans are even going to get more fragmented. Except for catastrophic things, <laughs> asteroids, and, uh, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah, it's it that that's sad because 
if it takes catastrophe to get you focused, it's it's no end there. It's it's only mm. gravity and negativity and negativity and all these things that's going to just to keep your focus to make a plan around it. So that's a problem that we want to try to alleviate to tell people like try to hold on to your own minds. You know, minds are like you know real estate now. But people are giving it and mortgaging their minds away to something that 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 they don't have any idea of what that power is. They think it's something that's they think it's something that's entertaining, and it could be something that's you know sucking the life out of them. So you gotta you gotta manage this 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 it's like gravity. You gotta manage it. You can never master it. Mm-hmm. These things are only gonna get stronger. They're not gonna get any weaker. Artificial intelligence is gonna get better humans are going to get lazier <laughs> minds are going to shrink down because they're going to be distracted all over the place and you're going to rely on the machine to stay focused uh it's headed that way um so hold on to you as much of your mind as possible um even as a parent you, you got to go in and figure out how you wean them off of what's fun mm. in their gadget and then what's school and what's teaching and the same gadget. That's the that's the bugged out thing. It's the same gadget. They got they got <laughs> learned. You know, maybe it would be like, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to pick up my phone today. Well, you got to pick up your phone to go to class. That's what, I mean. That's how the pandemic was. It's like you got to get on yeah. the iPad. <laughs> Where before we were like really seriously fighting that radiation. It's like, all right, you know what? Go outside and play. Um, you know what? Do real ride the bike. All right, we'll take you to horse camp and all. You know that type of stuff. But with the pandemic came in and locked everybody inside, then you're like looking at you're looking at the beast that you <laughs> struggled to tame. Now you got to roll out a bowl for the same beast <laughs> and treat it <laughs> and treat it like a pet. <laughs> but but let me tell you, let me tell you this much. The pet is a baby tiger. <laughs> Don't let them grow in that house. It cannot be domesticated. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's where we're at right now. Well, look, Chuck, uh, honestly, man, it's been such an honor for, for Rue and I to be able to chat to a proper legend. And... Um, Thank you for everything you've done, and thank you for everything you continue to do uh, on behalf of uh, on behalf of us. And uh, it's been it's been a genuine honour to chat to you. So thank yeah, you. Man. See you in twenty years. Oh, I thank you guys, man. <laughs> oh, well we'll, well, we'll do this again, maybe uh, later on this year or something like that. Uh, look, let's look at this a periodic thing. I mean, I'm, it was the second time with you guys. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I mean, why not? I mean, come on, man. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's not like. I gotta come there. It's like we're all virtual now. Yeah. Although I am looking forward to getting over across the pond. It's you know, it's going through a period of of people trying to figure it out. So it's the first time in thirty-four years I hadn't left the United States. Wow. Wow. And you know, you gotta leave the United States every once in a while just to get your I <laughs> to get your IQ rehabbed. <laughs> Serious, man. This, 
gotta you gotta get out of this, man. I mean, you somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Somewhere. I mean, can you go to Canada? Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I, I have I have good resources and uh you can always turn things off. Yeah. And and I and I go into creating my own world in the art, so that's been helpful. Everybody else doesn't have that luxury though. What, what I mean is they don't have that luxury of mm-hmm. Locking themselves in their own thoughts and imagination and mind, and then come out with something creative. Not everybody has that. That's why most of the world has to consume something. They have to consume something to keep their time occupied. Me, I, I get pies and thoughts thrown at me because I could go to a corner and come out of that corner with something. Yeah, you know, all that corner is just a, you know two walls. You guys write, so you guys know what that is. It's like you go, you could go to a corner and use your imagination. Last last point I'm saying here is that imagination is no longer inherent in a lot of people like it was. Imagination is bought, sold, packaged, planted. Mm. You know, it's like when you look at a cartoon and stuff like that, you're looking at somebody's imagination, but people have bought into the cartooning of, of, of their their surroundings now. So that's that's a little you know, imagination is what, what had me get through my first 50 years you know well thank you so much chuck we really appreciate it and we'll see you we'll see you in the next installment then uh wicked thank you so much man take care appreciate Cheers, it man. even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.